Let us start off with a prayer to the Holy Spirit to enlighten me and to enlighten us, to discern the truth. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of the faithful and come the fire of love. Send forth your spirit and it shall be created and shall renew the face of the earth. Let us pray, O God, who... Um, but the light of the Holy Spirit grant that we may be able to understand the truth and to discern the truth through the grace of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Uh, what I want to talk about is um, changes in the liturgy in the Catholic Church which, uh, in my opinion, are scandalous. For example, um, there was uh, the recent uh, Synod Mass in the Diocese of San Bernardino um, where the new bishop uh, had um, a shaman to preside over the Mass and to do uh, satanic prayers around the altar. Uh, in defense of the Holy Mass, this is a desecration and sacrilege, in my humble opinion. Shamans are actually warlocks. They're male witches and witches the deity is Satan there are only two spiritual entities in existence yesterday, today and forever that is good spirits and evil spirits good spirits being God the Holy Trinity the angels and the saints and the bad spirits are the demons cast into hell by God and all the damned all the evil spirits who prowl about the earth seeking the ruin of souls those are the only two entities if you are not praying to God if you are not praying and asking for the saints' intercession, like our Blessed Mother and the other saints, then the only other possibility that your prayers go to is to Satan. And that is what a, um, a shaman does. Okay. They, plus the other witches and warlocks and all those people that do not pray to God, the Holy Trinity, pray to Satan and unfortunately the bishop has allowed this warlock, this satanic person this shaman to pray and desecrate the altar around the Siddhat Mass and around this church now in my estimation the church needs to be exercised because the shaman has allowed evil spirits into, into and around the physical place of the church. It has to be exercised. Or, or 
um, bad things will happen in that church. You know, physical bad things. Destruction of statues, the more desecrations, um, bad things. So uh, I needed to say that in unequivocal terms because it's a violation of the liturgy of Christ, which is none other than the passion and death of our Lord Jesus Christ. You are actually putting that sacrifice, that passion and death of our Lord Jesus Christ down into the ground and you have exalted a demon over. We are praising the demon over that. Shame on you guys. Shame on all the clergy and all the people who accept this. You are actually putting Satan above God's suffering and passion, which is the mass in the ground, and you put this over it. May God have mercy on your decrepit souls. And they're just following the example of the Pope and the Pachamama and where he took out, ripped out of the, of the sanctuary the blessed body of Christ, God himself, and installed the Pachamama and had a mass to Satan. Like I said, if it isn't to the Holy Trinity, it goes to Satan, Pachamama. Satan being a great liar, he likes to hide he likes to hide under the guise of good. Oh, this is just the deity, and the deity is really God. No. Satan is the father of lies. He hides under these other um, deities, the others' images, and say, "No, we're just a, um, we're just a simple, uh, you know, it's just a, it's just a harmless." We're just, uh, uh, it's other religions, but uh, they really mean God. No, that's a lie. Okay. Authentic Catholic teaching means that you have to um, be aware, conscious, all right, when you pray, if you're actually praying to God, that you're praying to the Holy Trinity. Better yet, through the Blessed Virgin Mary. This is false. It's heresy. Okay. Look it up uh, in, in, on the internet. The Pope and the Pachamama. It's spelled P-A-C-H-A-M-A-M-A. Okay. Satan himself. Okay. So they actually desecrated St. Peter's Basilica with this satanic mass which has to be exercised too, or bad things will be happening there too. And St. Malachi's prophecy is proving to be right. St. Malachi, where he predicted this Pope to be the anti-Pope. Okay, a saint predicted it, not me. A saint, made saint by the Catholic Church, not me. And he predicted that this Pope would be the anti-Pope. What I wanted to talk about too is that um, 
there's um, changes to the mass that cannot be made. You cannot change the mass. You cannot put willy nilly put a shaman there or, or other uh, satanic deities, um, you know, in the mass. You can't change the mass or the liturgy. You can't since the Council of Trent. Okay. Like I said, I'm not a theologian. I don't understand all these uh, uh, councils or what, what they've taught infallibly. So what I'm going to do is put a talk in um, from Father Isaac Relia uh, about the, the, the liturgy, what the liturgy truly is. Okay. But first of all, I want to talk about how this is predicted in the Bible about the, the great abomination, the great um, apostasy that will be actually uh, put on the altars of the Catholic Church during the end times. And this is mentioned in 2 Thessalonians verse 2. Okay, let me read it to you. And we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together unto him. Okay, this means the end times. That you be not easily moved from your sense, nor be terrified, neither by spirit, nor by word, nor by epistle, as sent from us, as if a day of the Lord were at hand. Again, this describes the end times where we're living now. Let no man deceive you by any means, for unless there come a revolt first, the man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, who opposeth and is lifted above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he sitteth in the temple of God, shewing himself as, he were, as if he were God, Remember you not that when I was yet with you, I told you these things. And now you know what withholdeth, that he may be revealed in his time. For the mystery of iniquity already worketh, only that he who now holdeth do hold until he be taken out of the way. And then that wicked one shall be revealed, whom the Lord Jesus Christ shall kill with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming him, whose coming is according, whose coming is according to the working of Satan in all power and signs and lying wonders and in all seduction of iniquity to them that perish, because they receive not the love of the truth, that they might be saved. Therefore God shall send them the operation of error to believe, it, to believe lying, that all may be judged who have not believed the truth, but have consented to iniquity. But we ought to give thanks to God always for you, brethren, Beloved of God, for that God hath chosen you first fruits unto salvation, in sanctification of the Spirit, in the faith of the truth, 
whereunto also he hath called you by our gospel unto the purchasing of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which you have learned, whether by word or by epistle. Now, our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God and our Father, who have loved us, have given us everlasting consolation and good hope and grace. Exhort your hearts and confirm you in every good work and word. So Christ, okay, this is quotes, end of quote. That's, 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 that's it for um, Thessalonians 2, with slight interjections from me. But uh, what I wanted to say is that it describes our times. Okay. Those people that be in, um, performing these acts and actually installing the, the great abomination, um, the, the, the great apostasy upon the, 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 the altars of the church think they are doing right. They are wrong. They are wrong. And deep down it's because they hate uh, the original teachings of the Catholic Church a lot of times because they're homosexuals or they're living sinful lives like this uh, verse says and they refuse to accept the true meaning the, the truth so they try to um, twist it to their, to their world they love to um, cause uh, havoc destroy peace with with their errors they're, they're angry with the word of God and the truth and so they, they rebel and they call it good okay so like I said um, so this talk won't be too long I want to um, I cannot put it better than what Father Isaac Maravilla talks about um, the changes in the mass and, and the errors and heresies involved in these changes. Um, and uh, so uh, he, he better describes what, what uh, you know, that we, we cannot, essentially we cannot change the liturgy of the Mass. It has been decided on the Council of Trent. And any attempt to do so is heresy. Okay, here it goes. So, as I said before, the church is in, the society is in this position. It's because the church, the leaders have abandoned the flock, and the flock is scattered. Right from the Vatican down to the local diocese. And many people are going so upset about the moto proprio that just came out. And it's very, very, very sad. <laughs> this moto proprio. Traditiones custodes. And in that motto proprio, the Pope starts out, he says that after the Council of Trent, St. Pius V abrogated all the rights that could not boast a proven antiquity, establishing a single Missal Romano for the whole Latin church. And he uses that, he says, to justify what he's doing. Because don't be a fool and read it. He is abrogating the true mass. The only Roman rite. That's the traditional mass. That goes back over 1,500 years with 
was off it for over 1,500 years. And he is abrogating it. And they said, too, he was mild with this, and he's coming out with part two, and he's going to get even more vicious. Shame on him. That's all I got to say. And so that's a lot, because St. Pius V, he abrogated any right that was younger than 200 years old. And then he did establish a single missing Romano that was established already for over 1,500, 1,500 years almost. Back then, over a thousand years. And so what does the Pope do? The Pope abolishes not only a right that's 200 years or older, but a right that goes back to the apostles. Even the canon, we know, goes right back to St. Peter. He abrogates a liturgy that's basically over 1,500 years old, and he implements as, as a single Missal Romano for the Latin Rite, the Novus Ordo, which is a illicit mass. That no, Pope Paul VI didn't have the right to change the liturgy, as we're going to see. No. Pope Paul VI, I remember reading, he said that, and then it comes to the liturgy, the church never allows innovations or novelty. He said, this novice order, oh, this new mass is an innovation novelty. If I promulgate it, many, many will lose their faith. So why did he do something that he had no power to do? And he admitted it. And he was no prophet by saying many will lose their faith because he know what the outcome will come. If this is a good holy thing from God, why would people lose their faith? There would be an explosion of the faith, a spreading of the faith. So in Article 1, it says the liturgical books promulgated by, and I never like to use these terms because they're not, St. Paul VI and St. John Paul II, in conformity with the decrees of the Vatican Council II, are the unique expression of the Lex Arande of the Roman Rite. No, that's not true. It's not. And then, number eight, he says, all previous, previous norms, instructions, permissions, and customs that do not conform to the provisions of the present motu proprio are abrogated. So everything previous, that means from now all the way back from the beginning of the church, you could say, it's all abrogated when it pertaining to the liturgy. Well, I want to read to you something from the great doctor of the church, St. Alphonse. Yeah, I love that doctor of the church. I love all the doctors of the church. But this St. Alphonse is such a gift from God. And this is what St. Alphonse says. He says, I quote him, The devil has always attempted by means of heretics to deprive the world of the mass. When he says the Mass, he's talking about the traditional Roman Mass that goes back 1,600 years, 15, 1,600 years, okay? To deprive the world of the Mass, making the precursors of the anti, making them precursors of the Antichrist, who before anything else will try to abolish and will actually abolish the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass as a punishment, as a punishment for the sins of men. According to the prediction of Daniel, and I quote Daniel 8.12, and strength was given him against the continual sacrifice. End of quote. So St. Alphonse is telling us that the devil has always used heretics to suppress the mass. 
We see, my friends, just looking at the history of the church from the beginning, church, for the first 300 years, all the martyrs that you caught at mass, you could be put to death. It was not allowed. We see throughout history, the Protestant Revolution, in England, in Ireland, they outlawed the holy sacrifice of the mass. How many priests, lay people died for being at the mass? In Ireland, those holy people, how they had to go to the mass rocks, wake up, wake their children up and their wife, two o'clock in the morning, go marching through the woods for hours. Because if they were caught at the sacrifice of the mass, they would be put to death. And so would the priest. And I have good friends, my good friend Joe O'Connell, and all those good Irish people in Ireland. I have gone and preached over there many times. And the people have lost the faith overall, but the ones that have the faith over there, how they encourage me and inspire me. And how there are good priests over there, underground. And Joe's helping them. Because guess what? They went back to the mass rocks. And they're doing this again now, the government, but even now the church, once again. We see what happened in the Cristeo movement in, 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 the, in the early 1920s. How the, law, the Masons outlawed the mass in Mexico. This is nothing new. We see that who betrayed the Cristeos? The Vatican. Because they were just about to take over the whole country and make it totally Catholic. And the Vatican compromised. Imagine, told them to put down their arms. Nothing changes, my friend. Nothing changes. And so the devil hates this holy sacrifice of the Mass. Why? It's because of the Mass that we are redeemed. That the Mass is the reenactment in a mystical, unbloody matter, though. It's the same sacrifice as Christ when he was sacrificed on Calvary. And you wonder why he tries to suppress it and destroy it. And he comes with this Vatican II Novus Ordo Mass, which is totally illicit. What's judge a tree by its fruits? What's the fruits of the new Mass? That not even 20% of Catholics go to church. That over 80% of the Catholics don't believe in the Eucharist. How can you believe in the Eucharist when our Lord is giving communion on the hand and particles are in the floor being that our Lord is being trampled upon? Why do women come to, to uh, church dressed like prostitutes and the priests don't correct them? How everyone talks in the church like it's a gymnasium or an auditorium. My friends, do not fall for this nonsense. The church is underground, the true church. And this is a counterfeit church up there now, posing like the Catholic church. But the shepherd is scattering the flock. But we don't have to worry because our Lord warns the shepherds. Woe to you shepherds, instead of gathering my flock, scatter them. Woe to you shepherds, instead of feeding my flock, devour them. When he says, whoa, that means, may you burn in hell. If they don't convert, they're going to burn in hell. Pray for their conversions. But our Lord promised us, Ezekiel, he will come and feed us himself. And those that are faithful, God will provide a priest for you when the church is underground. It's going underground. It's underground already. I've been basically underground for many years, my friends. There are faithful priests out there. You bet your life on it. 
And if you're faithful, God will lead you to those faithful priests. Start praying for these priests. Pray for me that we will not run, that we won't be scattered, that we won't give in to fear, and that we will be ready to lay down our lives for the flock, like our Lord did, like St. Maximilian Kobe did, who went with those, 12, those men in the bunker, and he led them all to heaven one by one. No food, no clothes. And no, normally God would testify when someone was put in those bunkers, they would hear the most horrible screams because they would eat each other. They would despair. But when they wanted the guards testify, St. Maximilian Kobe's cell, bright lights were shining out. They were blind. They couldn't even look at it. They would hear them singing hymns. Nobody despaired. And after the last one died, then St. Maximilian, they put a needle in him and they killed him. What glory does he have in heaven? Let us pray that the priest will imitate him. Nobody has the grace to do that unless God gives it to him. But he tells us, I will give you your heart's desire. So you priests out there, what's your heart's desire? Do you want to be crucified with Christ? Do you want to be with Christ in heaven? Do you want to be another St. Maximilian Kobe? I want to. And I beg God because I know I don't have the power to do it on my own. And I know my weakness. Do not be afraid. And our Lord tells us, do not worry when the time comes. I will put the words upon your lips. God gives us the grace we need in crisis at the time of the crisis. Not before, not even a 10 seconds before, and not after. So when the time comes, he'll give it to us. So I want to go on with this because the devil has to stop the mass because it's the ordinary means of salvation. The economy of salvation. If you do not eat my flesh and drink my blood, you will not have eternal life. You will not have eternal life. And now we have basically just about the whole, all the leaders in the church. Shame on them. Telling you that, we, you know, all these lies about the vaccination. Telling you, oh, well, you know, uh, we're granting you this privilege. You didn't grant me no privilege when it comes to the holy sacrifice of the mass, as we're going to see with the Council of Trent. It comes from God. And no pope has the right to take that away from you or from me. No pope. So in Article 3 in the Moto Proprio, it says the bishop, to the bishops, the bishop is to determine that these groups, all right, these are people that want the Trinitine Mass. And that name does no justice to the true Mass, all right? These people, these groups, he says he is to determine that these groups do not deny the validity and legitimacy of the liturgical reform dictated by the Vatican Council II and the Magisterium of the Supreme Pontiffs. What nonsense. What nonsense. Do not deny the validity. There may be, the Novus Ordo Mass may be valid if it's done properly, proper form and matter with a priest ordained. But it's not listed. It is not listed. And so, my friends, this Vatican II Council and the Magisterium and Supreme Pontiffs or uh, Post Council is all nonsense in the sense 
because Vatican II is a golden calf that everyone must bow down to and worship today. And they tell you if you don't, you're outside the church. It's the exact opposite. A so-called council, this Vatican II, a so-called council that did not define any infallible dogmas and did not anathematize because that's the whole purpose of an ecumenical council where the heresies rise up and then the Pope comes together with the bishops and the bishops can't do it without him. And then he invokes his infallibility as defined in the first Vatican council. And when the Pope does that and the bishops in union the popes can do it the pope can do without the bishop but at a council the bishops can participate with the pope when he does that then and only then when he speaks i am speaking as peter i am defining the dogma of faith and morals that's already in the deposit of faith that he makes it clear it's binding on all catholics or you put yourself outside the church and that he promulgates it properly then and only then is he infallible and so there was nothing infallible about Vatican II unless it was already in the deposit of faith. And there are things in Vatican II that what? But there's so much in Vatican II that that's not in the deposit of faith. That's heresy. For instance, in the council where it tells you that all these other religions outside the Catholic Church can be a means of salvation for souls. It's heresy. This is nonsense, my friends. So, but the reality is that it's Pope Francis himself and the bishops and priests, whatever, who reject the Council of Trent, which is a true ecumenical council, guaranteed to be infallible. And all the other infallible councils previous to Vatican II. So they put this Vatican II on, uh, try to put it on the same level as all the ecumenical councils that proclaimed infallible dogma that is nonsense. It's nonsense. So why doesn't Pope Francis and the U.S. bishops and all the bishops all accept Vatican, uh, the Council of Trent? You have to. It's the greatest council the church ever had. The greatest council. I advise you, St. Alphonse wrote a book on the Council of Trent. It's, uh, he explains the Council of Trent in deep detail. Get it, a commentary on the Council of Trent. It's in English, it's gold, gold. In the seventh session, Canon 13 of the Council of Trent, nobody can deny this, what I'm about to read to you. It says that if anyone says that the received and approved rights of the Catholic Church customarily used in the solemn administration of the sacraments can be despised or can freely or can be freely omitted by the ministers without sin or can be changed i'll repeat that or can be changed into other new rights by any pastor in the church whomsoever let him be anathema that means outside the church excommunicated here it is so any pastor any pastor means the Pope too. Any pastor. Any pastor who despises or can freely, uh, who can be freely omitted by the ministers without sin or can be changed into another new right. Right there, my friend, tells you that the new mass is not from God. 
I'm sorry. Counsel Trent says infallibly, no pastor can invoke a new right. I'm sorry, this is binding on all Catholics. This canon then states clearly that the Pope, who is the first and supreme pastor, may never change any improved right of the Roman Catholic Church. The Roman right was fixed forever by Pope St. Pius V in quo primo. Paul VI tried to establish a whole new Roman right. There is only one Roman right of the Mass. There cannot be two. In the profession of the faith in the Council of Trent, the following was always professed by priests being ordained. He promised it the night before they would put a Roman missal in the, in the deacon's hand, ready to be ordained. And he said, he vows, I also receive and admit the accepted and approved rites of the Catholic Church in the solemn administration of all the offices of uh, uh, sacraments. I mean, he's promising only to accept these rites. And how many priests betrayed that after the council? when they offered the new mass. So this is crazy, my friends. Don't listen to this and pray. We're gonna to have to suffer. The true church is gonna be on the ground. Now they're persecuting those that have love for the true mass, love for the true church. So the Pope also had a letter that accompanied the, the, the multi appropriate says, and I'm gonna read some of it. A final reason for Pope Francis' decision, he says, is this. Ever more plain in the words and attitudes of many is the close connection between the choice of celebration according to the liturgical books prior to Vatican Council II and the rejection of the church and our institutions in the name of what is called the true church. One is dealing here with comportment that contradicts communion and nurtures the divisive tendencies. And he goes, I belong to Paul, I belong instead to Apollo, I belong to Cephas. I belong to Christ, against which the Apostle Paul so vigorously reacted. In defense of the unity of the body of Christ, I am constrained to revoke the faculty granted by my predecessors. The distorted, this is nonsense. He doesn't have the right to, to, to revoke what the Council of Trent said is infallible. All right? The distorted use that has been made of these faculties contrary to the intentions that led to granting freedom to the celebration of the Mass with the Missal Romano of 1962. Because liturgical celebrations are not private actions, but celebrations of the Church, which is a sacrament of unity. They must be carried out in communion with the Church, the Vatican Council too. See, never mention anything else past before or previous the Vatican II. They must be carried out in communion with the church. That's a true statement. The true church. In Vatican Council II, no. It's not an ecumenical council. And any council previously that contradicts Vatican II, guess what you're obliged to follow? Not, not the Second Vatican Council. You're obliged then to follow Trent, whatever contradicts the Second Council which they can mean the councils contradicting the previous councils. So they must be carried out while there's a furnace, uh, the profession of faith, the sacraments of the And then he goes, affirmed with St. Augustine that to remain in the church, not only with the body, but also with the heart is a condition for salvation.
My friend, nobody, no Catholic can deny one article of faith. St. Thomas Aquinas is clear, you deny one article, you place yourself outside the church, even if you accept all 99. These people are rejecting what the church has taught. They fide, I'm sorry. So he goes on, at the same time, insanity by the abuses and the celebration of the liturgy on all sides. Well, you gotta be kidding, you can't. The, cell, the, the, the abuses in the liturgy in, in, in the traditional mass, I have, I, I've never seen them. Can it happen? Sure, it can. But the ones in the, in the Noah's Auto are rampant. Rampant. So he goes, in common with Benedict XVI, I deplore the fact that in many places the prescription of the new Missal are not observed in celebration, but indeed come to be interpreted as, as an authorization for or, for or even a recruitment of creativity, which leads to almost unbearable distortions. But I am nonetheless saddened that the instrumental use of the Missal Romano 1962 is often characterized by a rejection, not only of liturgical forms, but of the Vatican Council itself, claiming with unfounded and unsustainable assertions that it betrays the tradition of the true church. It does betray the tradition of the true church. And this is where you have to realize that the second council, Vatican council, is the root of these post-conciliar errors. And I tell you, when our lady tells us that Russia will be consecrated, will be converted, there'll be a reign of peace. When that Pope comes, he will condemn the second council, or at least all the errors in it, and, he, and heresies in it, and he will abolish once and for all the Noah Soto Mass. So I could go on and on and on, my friends, about all this. And it's very sad because we could see that so much is twisted. And this is where you know when you have the devil. The devil comes and he inverts everything. What's true is false. What's false is true. And this is what's going on in this multo proprio. It's, it's horrible. It's horrible. And the priest don't have to pay any attention to it because he has to be in union with what the church has taught for 2,000 years. I want to read to you, I, I've done this a million times, but you got to keep hearing it. The papal oath that was, we know was taken by every pope up to John the 23rd. We know the post, they say the post-conciliar popes have not taken it, but it doesn't matter. They're still bound by everything that's in the papal oath. And when you read this thing, you could see why they won't take it, because they violate it tremendously. And I start, the Pope who, who takes office, takes this vow, I vow to change nothing of the received tradition, and not within thereof, and nothing thereof I have found, therefore, be, and, excuse me, and nothing therefore I have found before me guarded by my God-pleasing predecessors to encroach upon, to alter, or to permit any innovation therein. To the contrary, with glowing affections as her truly faithful student and successor, to safeguard reverently the past on good with my whole strength and utmost effort, to cleanse all that is in contradiction to the canonical order, should such appear, to guard the holy canons and decrees of our popes as if they were the divine ordinance of heaven, because I am conscious of thee, whose place I take 
through the grace of God, whose vicarship I possess with. Thy support being subjected to severest accounting before thy divine tribunal over all that I shall confess. I swear to God Almighty and the Savior Jesus Christ that I will keep whatever has been revealed through Christ and his successors and whatever the first councils and my predecessors have defined and declared. I will keep without sacrifice to itself the dis disciplines and the right of the church. I will put outside the church whoever dares to go against this oath. May it be somebody else or I. If I should undertake to act in anything of contrary sense or should permit that it will be executed, thou will not be merciful to me on the dreadful day of divine justice. Accordingly, without exclusion, we subject to the severest excommunication anyone, be it ourselves or be it another, who would dare to undertake anything new in contradiction to this constituted evangelical tradition and the purity of orthodox faith and the Christian religion, or would seek to change anything by this opposing effort, or would agree with those who undertakes such a blasphemous venture. My friends, this brings sorrow to my heart because the Pope who takes this oath and any Pope that doesn't take it is still bound by everything in there. He's condemning himself to hell and all the people who follow him, that we must cling to tradition. Saint Athanasius, the great Saint Athanasius, exiled excommunicate everything he made it clear the day talking about the mainstream church at the time the Arian crisis three quarters of the church was Arian they may have the church buildings but we have the faith don't forget that my friends it seems like they have the, they put the church but these people put themselves out of the church by the very things that they hold and teach and spread pray for their souls pray for their conversions and let us not be led astray. St. Vincent of Lorraine, he told us, he studied this, and he says, what do you do when the, it seems like even the whole church has gone astray, like in the Arian heresy? He says that we cling to tradition, that we, we live and breathe everything that the church taught to all people at all times and all circumstances. That's in the tradition. So if you're looking at the Second Vatican Council loaded with all these errors, contrary to all the previous councils, what they taught, what do you do? You, you reject the councils that taught infallibly, or do you reject the errors of Vatican II? Wake up. Wake up. Okay, so that's, that's basically uh, what I wanted to uh, include of this talk, this segment, which can be found on his website soldiers of the immaculate dot org all together soldiers of the immaculate dot org okay and the talk that uh, was was specifically in was described as uh, uh, let's see here I'm trying to find the title of this uh, talk it's uh, Father Isaac Relia. Uh, Our Lady crushes the head of the serpent. 
okay? And it's basically uh, from uh, minute 16 to minute 47, okay, that segment. In conclusion, what I wanted to say uh, with uh, the treating team mass and the novus order mass, they're both valid. That's authentic Catholic teaching. Okay, and I and I agree with that. All authentic Catholic teaching I agree with, or else I would be a heretic. Okay, but my question is this. Okay, and I don't say it in 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 the spirit of of, of rebellion. <coughs> but but my uh, true my true because I have this this is truly a question from comes from my heart. If there was only one passion and death of our Lord Jesus Christ which is is the liturgy the Holy Mass is 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 the unbloody representation authentic unbloody representation of the passion and death of our Lord Jesus Christ then why do we have two masses two rites there was only one, only one passion and death of our Lord Jesus Christ. Why do we have two liturgies, two rites, if there was only one passion and death of our Lord Jesus Christ? That's my question. Anyway. Thank you very much, and God bless you all.